Hey everybody, welcome to the Knock On Podcast, brought to you by Zero Tackle. And Dan, it is great to be back with you talking footy on Zero Tackle's The Knock On Podcast. It's been a long off-season, you and I have been up to all the kinds of shenanigans, interviewing people, but we are back and we have some footy to talk about. Hit me with it. Well look, let's start where the season starts, and that is Viva Las Vegas. So many times this this threatened to fall over. We had player visas. We had lack of interest. We had players going over there and going to party. We got told they can't go on Tinder and there was a revolt. They're all over there. It's happening. What can we expect? Look, I I think they've tried to drum up this folks, you know, interest from the Americans. They're trying to, you know, hit them with the big collisions and the no shoulder pads and the the no headgear and all that kind of stuff. But really, you just need to be showcasing and talking to them about the talent. I think the Americans are just going to get drawn to it because it's a fun game. Mm -hmm. Like, these are people who will go and sell out baseball, and that game is dreadful. So they should take to rugby league. Look, there is a competition over in America at the moment that, you know, you can imagine that it wouldn't be very good, but there is some element of rugby league there. Ticket sales are going really, really well in this last couple of weeks. And on Twitter at the moment, a couple of people that I follow are over there taking photos in Las Vegas as well. Now, I don't know if they're just old photos and they're going, yeah, I'm here, and then they disappear for a couple of days. But I genuinely hope that they are over there and they have a blast. I do think the NRL missed the boat on one part of Vegas, though, Dan. I do think they missed What's the that, boat. Sir? Do you think... In any way, shape, or form, there could have been an NRLW something over there. Whether it was a grand final rematch, whether it was Australia versus New Zealand, whether it was a state of origin game. Do you think we sold ourselves short? The NRL as a product sold themselves short as well by not saying, hey, not only do we have the best entertainers in the men's competition, but check out what our girls can do. Because some of those NRLW games and some of the NRLW players... Very skillful, and they're very good games. Look, yes, is the short answer. I don't think they could take a competitive NRLW game, being that it's not in-season, and it's months before the season proper kicks off. There are a few games going on in Queensland. I think it's the New South Wales Cup version of what they've got going on up there. Of course, our Harvey Norman Cup coincides with the NRLW, so there's no week-to-week in New South Wales. If they'd thrown an Australian New Zealand together, I have no doubt we would have had some quality players throw up their hands to play. Some would have said, hey, we've got work or we've got other contracts. Some are playing rugby, some are up the coast. You know, it wouldn't have been the, the best. But, I mean, we follow a few players on, on Instagram. And, I mean, Emerton Nagato is never not in great shape. And you couldn't convince me we couldn't find 30 or, or even 40, 20 of each to go over there and play a game. I think that's something that will happen in the future because, you know, the NFL is the elite competition in America. In, in every single aspect. There's not really a female version of that over there. So we could have gone over and said, hey, look what we can do. And I believe it would have been met with a, holy moly, these girls are good. So, yes, probably in the future though. Yeah, my, my response to that when, when someone mentioned it on NRL today was, it couldn't be round one because the competition only goes for, what, eight weeks, nine weeks, and then you have your finals. So... The competition for the uh, the women's usually happens 
after our state of origin and and after after their state of origin as well. So they play state of origin and then they get into the season proper. But you could have had as you could have had the grand final rematch. You could have had an all stars game. Could have had Australia versus New Zealand, or you could have just said to forty women, "Hey, who who can go over there?" And then you know what we'll do? We'll do an all stars draft, yeah. and you just pick it out of a hat. You pick your props out of a hat. You pick your backs out of a hat. And you just get a fun game. I think they did let themselves down a little bit there. And I, and I like you, I, I do think that there will be something in the future that they can maybe look at. And I'll probably rip our podcast off from this now. But I'm all for it. I hope it happens. It definitely will. What has happened over the past... Well, breaking news in the past few hours is that Penrith Hooker... And two-time premiership winner, I believe, at least one time. And a try-scorer in a grand final. Mitch Kenny's been suspended for one game, the opening round of the competition for the uh, the Instagram post, I believe, was on Boxing Day, He where he said um, Boxing Day lines. And, you know, the, the inference was made, and obviously the NRL or whoever's responsible for this decision has agreed he's brought the game into disrepute or disrepute, however you say that word. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, he's an idiot. If you're going to go and do lines of booger sugar, no matter who you are, do not send the photo to anybody. Do not put it on your Instagram life. Do not Snapchat it. Don't do anything that can get you in trouble. Like... You might think it's funny and you send it to your mate and then your mate turns around and thinks it's real funny and he sends it to his mate and then his mate thinks it's real funny. And before you know it, it's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on everything. It's on every forum. Every journo is running with the story. And it doesn't matter. You, you like, like Mitch Kenny is not by any name a big name in the competition, but Valentine Holmes was before him. And you would think that you're learning from an origin rep and an Australian rep who has gone and made that same mistake and got suspended that you just think, hang on a second. I'm probably going to go and do a line off my phone, but I don't need to record it. So just just put the phones away. If you're going to go and have a good time with your mates, and you're going to have a few drinks, and you're going to you know stay up four days, just put your phone away. Just, just put it away. Look, oh, look, before, before we get to this, we saw a player in Kevin Proctor get his contract torn up for having a vape. A vape in a toilet where it's a non-smoking area in Stadium Australia. He goes, contract torn up for having a vape. You're very lucky your contract didn't get torn up for having a line of cocaine. I want to play devil's advocate and assume that what he said was right, that the trolls got his phone. That, for me, he should got five weeks for throwing that pathetic mm-hmm. excuse out. Now, I'm going to jump to his defence and say, okay, he didn't do what we all assumed that he did, and he was joking about the lines and how big they were when the shopping on Boxing Day. Even he would know in that state of stupidity, because I maintain he was very stupid, agree with everything you said, to put that out there, what are you and I going to think? What's the average punter going to think? The guy's obviously been drinking. His eyes were bloodshot. The inference was he'd been doing lines. Now, whether he was or wasn't, I don't care. Like, I just, I flat chat, do not care. To put yourself in that position, he deserves a week for being stupid. There was people who came out and said that he and Val, what they did, well, you know, Val's was way worse, etc., etc. Okay, we didn't see either do anything wrong. They were both making an inference that made the media and made the NRL look stupid, made both players look stupid. 
exactly what they've been charged for, bringing the game into stupidity. That's what it should be called. I'm happy with the week. Anything more would have been overkill because unless you, you've got the bloke on film doing what we all think, what we assume he allegedly did. But yeah. just put your phones away, boys. My yeah, God. That, that, that's the thing. It, he hasn't failed the drug test and there's no video of him actually railing a line off anything, right? So he's copped a week for being an idiot. The NRL now needs to come down hard on this and say, next person that does it, five weeks suspended, no pay. Put your phone away. Just, just, just put your phone away. Agree. Now, moving on to a player that won't be around for a couple of weeks is Mike Acevo, who has done it again. This boy needs to work on his tackling technique. He's been suspended. Uh, people were saying that he shouldn't be because it was a trial. I disagree with that vehemently. They were saying that what he did last year shouldn't count. Again, the rule is 12 months before it gets wiped clean, so it had to count. This blow rushes up, tries to put a hit up, connects a boke on the head, has now left Parramatta in a terrible position because with the greatest respects to the players coming through, they're a bit short out wide. Yeah, look, it's an, it's an ugly tackle. It's careless. I saw people say it was reckless. I don't think it was reckless because I don't think he had any intention to go out there and smack AJ Brimson in the face. But it was careless. He rushed up out of the line. Now, I know people are saying, oh, but he's tall. That's not AJ Brimson's fault. That Mike Casivo is taller than him. AJ Brimson is running the ball. He's not expecting to cop a shoulder to the face. Now, as if this was his first time and he was copying three weeks for it, you'd say it's a little bit harsh. He probably deserved a week, right? But he's got serious... And, and this is the, you know... He's got Steve Maddai syndrome in the fact that he wants to rush out and put the shot on. But Steve Maddai had perfect technique and perfect timing. This is what Sevo doesn't have. He could have just as easily ran out on the line and just given him a bear hug. Didn't need to put that big shot on there as well. So I hope that Sevo finally takes this on board and goes, you know what, something's got to change and the rules aren't changing, so it's got to be me. Parramatta without their star winger for three weeks and instantly when I saw that, I was having a look at when we played Parramatta and here was me really, really disappointed that we didn't get them in the first three weeks because he normally scores a try and kills us. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Parramatta are, are without this. Now, do I agree that he shouldn't cop this suspension now because it happened in the trial? No, absolutely not. He's done it in the trials. If there was a trial this weekend, I would be saying that the first game should count. Um, and then he should miss two NRL games. But it's just unfortunate. Just like his timing in the tackle, the timing of round one, got to miss your time. Completely agreed. Uh, he's had enough warnings and fix your tackle technique. Now, one uh, one without notice here, Terry. The World Cup Challenge. I've seen a few people come out today and say, ah, do we really need it? What are your thoughts? Because I have mine. Um... I think we do need it. I, th I think it's fun, right? Because it's not like, you know, you, it, it, there's different variations of this in football where you've got the European Championship and then you've got, you know, the Club World Cup because, the, the, you know, the Super Cups play against each other and then the South American teams and the Asian Cup final teams go into this, you know, competition. And that, that actually is, you know, to find out who the best of the best is, right? And basketball used to do it back in the day. You used to have the European champions, the Asian champions, the NBL champions, and the NBA champions. The NBA teams just used to flog everyone. So they, I think the last team, the last Australian team to do any good was the 2000 Perth Wildcats. They cut that really, really quickly. 
I do like this because it gives you another game of footy and it's North versus South, it's England versus Australia or if the, the wires ever get there, Super League versus NRL. I just don't like the timing of it. The timing of it happens in February. The Super League is in round two or round three of its competition now. So we're going to have gone through a preseason. We're going to have gone through their trial games. We're going to have gone through round one in their Super League competition. They play Penrith and they're, they're actually ready. You know, whereas Penrith went over to England three or four weeks ago and they've been hanging out with Manchester City and they've gone to a Liverpool game and they went and saw Manchester United play a couple of days beforehand. That's probably why they lost. And they did the tour of London. They went to Buckingham Palace. You're seeing all these photos. And at the same time, you're seeing the photos of the Panthers out doing all the cool stuff in England. The Warriors are playing a game. Mm -hmm. So I am of the belief, and you and I said it the other day, that you play the, the the Super League Grand Final happens the weekend before the NRL Grand Final. The NRL Grand Final happens the first weekend of October. Two weeks later, this game should be played. I agree. It's a fun, but it's a novelty. Of course, it's fun to win, and when as a Wigan fan, I'm, I'm glad they you know won a fifth a fifth, which is a record. I do believe it's fantastic. It's good good fun to have a brag, and of course, you know you, you get the old rivalry. If it had been anyone other than Wigan or Penrith, to be fair. If it was, say, a team like maybe the Titans or one of those more likeable teams that played St. Helens or one of the more dislikable teams across there, of course, you're supporting the Aussie boys. But when it comes down to it, it's just a novelty. And a lot of people are using the fact that Penrith have lost a few in a row now to say, ah, oh, you ain't that good. No one's going to remember this in 12 months' time because they're probably going to play another one. I 100% agree that if you're going to treat this with any degree of respect... You have to frame it like the Super Bowl. Now, that will never happen, nor should it, because the Super Bowl is the biggest event in the world outside the Soccer World Cup final. you got to get the best of the best, put them two weeks later when the teams are fit, fully firing, and together, because both teams ran outsides that weren't totally what they were last year in grand final. We saw when Cronulla went over in 2017, we were missing half our squad. So it's, it's, it's a novelty game, it's fun, it's good bragging rights, and like you said, it's a game to wake up too early in the morning when it's in England or stay up late and watch in Australia. I want it to stay, I would love to see it played at the end of the season, but not for one second should anyone outside Wigan fans take it seriously, and Penrith fans, I wouldn't be too worried. Yeah, I, I, you know, Penrith lost the World Club Challenge last year, they were fine, they're going to be fine again this year. Now without Jerome Luai and a host of other players as well, and Dylan Edwards left his hair at home, so you know they're 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 going to be fine. They're going to be fine, but it's it although it is a trial game and it should be treated as a trial game. I don't think it should be played at the time that it is played because I do think the Super League teams do get an unfair advantage in the fact that they're in their season, they've done their preseason, everything, and our our teams go well. The NRL teams go over there, as I said, and they go traveling around to all the big football games and events that happen, play it two weeks after the grand finals are done. Get it over and done with. Now, mate, moving on. I have a question for you. One that we haven't discussed off, off camera. Now, a few teams are coming into the competition this year with renewed excitement. You know, the Tigers, the Dogs, um, you know, a couple of teams. The, the Dolphins have signed very well, so they can all expect to improve. But one team that's really... Hasn't gone under the the radar, so to speak, but people have only really started been talking about it in the last week or two. Notice the Des Hasler guided Gold Coast Titans. Probably, yeah, yeah I would say second favourite team because I wish nothing but negativity on anyone who aren't the Sharks. But this is a team who are, you know, pretty 
pretty likable. The best away trip of the season. They've got a very good coach come in, and they've got a good roster. Pretty much all the feeling across the trial weekend was about how much they're going to improve and how much they're going to push for the eight. What are your thoughts on the Gold Coast Titans in 2024? They're crap. It's as simple as that. Like, do they have a good roster? Because last year they were dreadful, and I don't know any big-name signings that they picked up, and they definitely haven't picked up a halfback. Mm. Now, I'm going to say that I don't follow the Titans nearly as good as you do, and my favourite pastime to do is to troll you about AJ Brimson because I know he's one of your favourite players and I laughed when he dropped the ball and then he, you know, two sets later he ran the length of the field and scored a try, right? But joke was on you because they'll get beat by 30. Um, they're entering into the season with the ghost of Kieran Foran and Tanner Boyd as the halves. Now, I read an article today saying that Tanner Boyd has done everything and he's been excellent. Unless I watched a different game from last week, his kicking was dreadful, he's as slow as a wet Wednesday, and he's just his decision-making was awful. Um, I know there were big raps on him when he was a kid, and you know the, the Broncos were really disappointed when they lost him, blah, blah, whatever. I haven't seen anything from it. I, as I said, the ghost of Kieran Four, and this guy is getting older and more brittle, and you know they've got, they've got a young kid... Um, whose name's eluding me at the moment, who looks like a pretty decent prospect in the halves, but they let Toby Sexton go to keep Tanner Boyd. They, they've they got two serviceable number nines in Sam Beryls and Chris Randall that don't thrill you with any bit of um, excitement whatsoever. They've got that young Kinney who was filling in for fullback until Jaden Campbell comes. And this is a club that still doesn't know what to do with AJ Brimson. Like, they have got, and, and, and I know that I, I, I do it to troll you, but they have got one of the most naturally gifted rugby league players on their books, and they haven't been able to make him a fullback. They haven't been able to make him 5'8". They haven't been able to make him a halfback. And now because they went and got Jaden Campbell, who Brimson's probably better than, they turn around and go, oh, we'll shove you into the centers. Now, what's like the, the thing for Brimson is uh, he, he's okay, but he's going to get dwarfed by some of the biggest centers in the club, and then they're just going to shift him again. So I know people are saying, oh, you know, Des Hasler once upon a time was a really good coach. Des Hasler won a premiership like 12 years ago and hasn't been close. Well, definitely didn't get close with Manly and took took an underachieving Bulldogs team in 2014 that got flogged and capitulated a minor premiership in 2012. Other than that, you're just hearing bad news after bad news about Des Hasler. I don't think it's going to be the savior sign. They think it is. This is going to be another season where they're waiting for Tino to run forward and Dave Feeder to do something brilliant and some individual brilliance, but you're not talking about a good team here. I don't know if they'll be bottom four because there are some pretty, pretty ordinary teams, but I don't think they're going to be pushing for the top eight at all. And, yeah, and Warren, Warren Smith was saying in commentary that the expectation is that this team is going to be a top eight. If anybody, anybody expects the Gold Coast Titans to get in the top eight this year, apart from Gold Coast fans, going to be disappointed. Well, that was what I was after. I was very much fishing for that. I don't disagree with a lot of what you said. Now, I, I've taken the Gold Coast on, mainly through jokes, but I, I'm a big fan of AJ Brimson. I love David Fafita. I love Tina. I just like the way they play. Plus, I love the, I love the Gold Coast. I love, I love being up there. In terms of player quality, they've got AJ Brimson. I don't care where you put him. Mo Forda-Waker is an origin prop. Tino is an origin and international prop or lock. David Fafita is the best second rower on, in the game on his day. 
Last year he was fantastic. Clearly the best second row in the competition. It's not even close. You know, Bo Fomor's back. They've got some some young kids out wide, you know, in, in Fafida and Khan Pereira. You know, Jaden Campbell is very, very good. He's very small, though. AJ Brimson is undoubtedly their best fullback. He's probably their best half, but they just can't find a spot for him. Saying, hey, go play centre, I 100% agree it's a stopgap stop option. As soon as someone gets injured, he's going to go back wherever. I would say to Brimson, where do you want to play? What's your best position? Okay, that's where you are. Everyone work around. Unfortunately, I agree with you with the halves because I tweeted over the weekend or X or whatever you call it now. It's hard to get excited about a season when your halfback is Tanner Boyd. And I don't mean to, to single him out. I don't mean any disrespect. He can play rings around anything I could ever do, even on the Xbox or PlayStation. But going in, he's probably the 15th or 16th best half in the competition. And that's just cold, hard facts. Des Hasler isn't the saviour, is where I want to go with this, though. They're, when they sign him, Des Hasler, in his day, could get the best out of players. He won a premiership with a young Daly Cherry Evans, and he made Kieran Foran a superstar. Now, Kieran Foran is a different player now, but he always got his best football out of him under Des Hasler. So I think they're hoping for that magic again. I just can't see it happening at this point in his career. Going back to Des Hasler, though, I agree, unfortunately, with everything you said. This is a bloke who was sacked from Manly. He left the Bulldogs in absolute shambles. He back-ended contracts to the point they were so bad that they actually outlawed back-ending contracts. I'm not excited about the Titans' future. I very much agree they won't make the eight. They're not going to be in the bottom four. They're way too good for that. But anything other than probably mid-range, just a little bit high this season. Now, just 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 going there with with AJ Brimson, right? On the weekend, he played right center. So, I've looked up AJ Brimson, one hundred eighty-one centimeters and eighty-nine kilos. Right? I would be willing to bet that when they weighed him, he had cement shoes on. If he's if he's eighty-nine kilos, I'm a supermodel. We'll just leave it at that, right? Um, I picked a couple of left centers, people who I think will be playing left center this year from other clubs, just to, you know, he's 181 centimeters. I don't even think he's that tall. Um, just to, comparatively, in terms of the weight, so I picked the right centers that he'll be marking, right? Started with our own CSC for Talakai. Same height, he gives up 11 kilos to Talakai. Next center I thought of, who is a left center for their respective team, is Bradman Best. Same height, giving up 15 kilos. Uh, I then picked Joseph Swaili. Uh, 15 centimeters shorter and about 20 kilos lighter. 10 kilos lighter. 10 kilos lighter they've got in there. No way. And then the last one is uh, Bronson's Zeri. I just thought, you know what? Let's just get Bronson's area up. And again, he's 10 centimetres shorter and 13 kilos lighter. I think once he gets trampled a few times... Like, he's going to have the footwork to beat them. But once he gets trampled a couple of times and teams work out, how hey, we can go give it to our big guys to just literally power over the top of him. I, I think that experiment's going to cut short pretty quickly. And then again, they're going to have this fantastic football that they're not going not gonna to know what to do with. And I just think... The best thing AJ Brimson could have done for his career was leave the Gold Coast a few years ago. I don't know when he's off contract, but I think he should leave when his contract is up. Now, pre-season, Terry, it's our last chance to make some predictions. 
We're going to put it all on the line because a lot of people say, you guys get them wrong. And then when I say, well, what did you tip? Oh, well, well, don't worry about who I tipped. I'm willing to go on record here, Terry. Do you want to lead this or do you want me? I'll lead it because I wrote it down here. Uh, So let's start with the team that you think is going to surprise. I think a lot of our uh, answers will probably be the same because it's just how you and I think. The team that will be most surprising to you, Dan, I'll, I'll go first. And they were the team that was most surprising for me last year because everyone told me they were going to win the wooden spoon, but I was adamant they wouldn't. I think they've had the best recruitment over this uh, off-season into the new season. And I'm going to say the Dolphins will be the most surprising team pushing for or just making the top eight. Yep, 100% agree. Big improvers. They've signed two world-class centers in Jake Avarillo and, of course, Herbie Farnworth. Tom Flegler is a humongous in physically and what he brings to the team. He's the new pack leader up there because Jesse Bromwich, as fantastic as he is, is entering his last year as an NRL footballer announcing his retirement. Congrats on a brilliant career. It's Tom Flegler's team now, and I think the Dolphins will go very close to the top eight. I, I, you and I were talking about this on a, different, on a similar podcast that we have done um, for the for our own Sharks, and we were saying about how Tom Flegler was a number two prop at Brisbane, and I think that he probably didn't want to leave Brisbane, but he needed to go and be the number one prop and be a pack leader in a, a team, and I think that's, that's why he has gone to the Dolphins as well. Now, terrible news for the Dolphins that Tommy Gilbert is going to miss the season with an ACL injury. I have made it no... Uh, I've been really vocal in my love for Tom Gilbert. He's one of my favorite non-Sharks players to watch. Um, he's always in my super coach team that sits there for 20 weeks when I don't uh, update it. Um, so that's a that's a bit of a loss for them. But um, yeah, I, I think the Dolphins are going to be a big surprise packet this year. Dan, Wooden Spooners, I had been adamant all off-season that I was picking the Dragons to come last. I am changing my tip here on the Knock On podcast. The Dragons are going to come 16th again. The West Tigers are going to come 17th again. There is nothing that you can say or do that convince me that the West Tigers have gotten better. In fact, I think they've gotten worse. They let go of Luke Brooks and have gotten worse by picking up Aiden Caesar. So they are last. I'm going to stick with the Dragons for a little bit, a little bit of tension. I wouldn't be shocked if the Tigers or the Dogs were dragged into that conversation. Yeah, they've um, they've recruited okay. They've recruited well next year. Jerome Law is going to change a lot about that system. I think all the things we saw that were positive on the Tigers came off the field, and I think that'll bear fruit in the future. This is too early though. I am not expecting them to be much better. I was all excited. I actually said they'd win the preseason cup because I thought they'll come out and flog the Dragons. Dragons got nothing to play for. Tigers got the week off or two weeks off, as it turns out, with the buy in round one. They just can come out and kill them. And they were atrocious. That, that was the worst performance we saw all off-season, all preseason, I think. Um, I hope not for poor Tigers fans, mate, but twist on my arm. Yeah. I'm going to hit you with a hard-hitting question here, Dan. Aiden Caesar, Tanner Boyd, Chad Townsend, who do you want as your halfback? Oh, throw in Drew Hutchison. Chad Townsend. I know. How awful is that? I, I do think that the three teams that you said, the Dogs, the Dragons, and the Tigers, will be the bottom three again. And I think you're probably looking at teams like the Titans and Cowboys could get dragged into a dogfight, but probably have more class than those teams. Won't set themselves anywhere near the wooden spoon, but will be down the bottom of the ladder. Um, minor premiers, Dan. Who are you picking... Who are minor premiers this year? 
Brisbane Broncos, they're going to avenge because they should have won the minor premiership last year. It was only through farcical circumstances that Kevy Walters decided we don't want the minor premiership. In hindsight, it was probably the right decision because they should have won the grand final, but they go away with nothing. I think Reese Walsh will take them one step further. I, too, am picking the Brisbane Broncos, and I'm more confident on picking the Brisbane Broncos after what I've seen from the preseason from them than I was last year. Now, one of the things that you look for in good teams is their depth. Mm-hmm. And the Brisbane Broncos sent their best team over to Vegas and then won the preseason cup in Australia. So all their depth players stepped up. Now, I know they didn't have the toughest of games, but you've still got to win them. And in the circumstances they won them and the way that the players played, I think that they have um, a lot to play for. I'm really excited to see how Selwyn Cobbo goes in the centres. Because if he bombs in the centres, oh no, he goes back to being one of the top five wingers in the world again. Reese Walsh, we're talking about a genuine superstar of the game at 22 years old. Um, you know, Payne Haas, again, going up another level. All these young kids from the Broncos coming through. We've been hearing for years. You know, one of the things of the, the good Broncos teams in the past, they always had the young players coming through, and then they got poached. They went through this, you know, 10, 10 to 15-year period of players just going and grabbing the best Broncos players, and they usually ended up at Melbourne or they went up to Townsville or somewhere like that. It's like the Broncos have built a wall around their city again and said, well, all the good kids are staying and we'll just ship all the other kids just on the outside of this wall here. You can go and pick the scraps off. They look really good. They are my pick for the minor premiers this year. Are you picking them to be the premiers though, Dan? No, I'm not. I am going to be really boring and say Penrith again. I don't want to do it, but Penrith showed last year. They they were okay. I mean, they started slow and they won a few games. I think they lost to the Tigers. As soon as it got serious, they were by far the best team. Now, I know that sounds weird considering they were behind for like 70-something minutes or or 70% of the grand final, but I feel if they play that game again three more times, you get the exact same result. I think Nathan Cleary is the best player in the competition. I don't care about his origin foibles, or I do because I want him to play well for New South Wales, but I just don't care. You put him in a Penrith jersey and he's Superman, I think he just kicks up a gear. They're celebrating four straight, and we're here next year saying, God, here we go again. Yeah, they're, they're my pick for the Premiers as well. And although I say that, you know, like the, the the Broncos have got this incredible depth, Penrith have got this incredible depth as well, and we've seen them just churning churning players out. And obviously, like, I have my roots and ties to Penrith because I grew up in the area and I've still got some friends who are involved in the club. And they turn around and say for, you know, for every Spensalino that they lose, there's, there's another kid ripping out for St. Mary's. For every Stephen Crichton that goes to the Bulldogs. There's another one at St. Clair who's, you know, itching to take his spot. Um, you have a look. Both teams lost a really good prop in Flegler and Lenu, and both teams lost a really good centre in Farnworth and um, Crichton. But what Penrith didn't lose is all their grand final and semi-final experience, and all the Broncos still have is that loss. And all the Broncos' memories that they still have at the moment is that loss that was heartbreaking and the 2015 Grand Final that was heartbreaking and there's literally no one involved in that club from the 2006 Grand Final at the moment. So I'm I'm picking Penrith and I'm probably going to be back here next year picking Penrith and I'm probably going to be back here the year after picking Penrith as well and that really, really pains me and it's getting really boring. It's like watching the Bundesliga all over again but here we are. It is. Got to respect. 
That's it for the first podcast of the season, Dan. This is the Knock On Podcast brought to you by Zero Tackle. Now, Dan, you are one of the writers and content creators at Zero Tackle, and you guys do fantastic things on the website. Now, it's coming up for round one. I know that your fingers are going to be typing ferociously on those keyboards, not just for your tweets, but for your articles as well, as well as this podcast. What else is happening on Zero Tackle? What can fans get up for? What can we expect? What's the coverage like for Vegas? What's happening on Zero Tackle? We won't be in Vegas, but it's going to feel like you're in Vegas, such as the coverage. Scott has been working round the clock to produce some of the best stuff. Obviously, he reaches out to me whenever he needs a harder hitter and says, Dan, I need some hits. Send me something fun. I've done a uh, top five huge decisions, tough decisions, the coaches maybe uh, moved into. Uh, just to give you a bit of a hint, number one was that the Dragons will move on from Ben Hunt. So I think, I think that's coming. But I'll leave the rest up to you. Make sure you click the link. As we're done with the previews. We're done with all that nonsense now. It's all about round one, which is be a couple days away by the time this drops. I'm excited. The reactions are going to start. I cannot wait to start doing my power rankings again. I always just think, oh, yes, yeah, so-and-so is good. And the amount of bile I cop in the comments fuels me. If I put the Dragons one spot too high, I'm the worst person in the world. Oh, are you this? You Tigers fan this? Absolutely not. Never, ever, ever will I support those people. No. I'm looking forward to it, mate. This is a season to... This is the most excited I've been for a season since last year. Now, you guys are the best in the business. I'm not just saying that for our shirts on here, but for the content. Scott, Phoenix, the boys, Nick, everybody works around the clock to pick up for the slack that you drop onto the webpage. But everybody, get around Zero Tackle. Get around the the knock-on podcast. We can't wait to bring you more this year. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better. I'm excited for it. See you next week, Dan. I'll see you next week. Terry won't. I will.